Hey guys, what's up? Here are two interviews, two movies I'm covering this week. One of the many interviews, one of the many, excuse me, one of the many movies I'm covering this week. One of them is The Worst Person in the World, and I have an, a one-on-one interview with Anders Danielson Lee. He's the male lead in the film. That said, the movie centers on the coming of age of Julie, played with just absolute confidence and inspiration. Just an inspired performance by Renata Renzva. And she's getting she's getting a lot of celeb a lot of awards and acclaim for her work in the worst person in the world as well as the movie. It's one of the better films, one of the best, my favorite films from 2021. There's been a contention from a lot of fellow cinephiles, fellow podcasters. They're wondering because of this movie comes out February 4th in New York and LA as well as February 11th in just wider markets. It opens a little bit in wider markets February 11th, so that's when most of you will be able to see this movie. Isn't this a 2022 release? Well, technically, yes, regarding its theatrical release, but it actually had a short run as far as for awards consideration in December. So when I say, even though it's coming out 2022 this year, it's one of my favorites from last year because considering the awards run and uh, like Anderson said, I'm a Critics' Choice member, so I consider it a film from 2022, 2021. Again, The Worst Person in the World centers on Julie, played by Renata Renzva, who has this relationship with Axel, played by Anders Danielson Lee. And the movie centers on the relationship, most importantly, centers on the coming of age of Julie. The film is directed by Joachim Trier. Just an absolutely devastating, romantic, all-encompassing type of film. My only complaint regarding The Worst Person in the World is I've only seen it once. Can't wait to actually see it again and just dive deeper into the narrative. Just a really, it's broken down into 12 chapters. Some chapters you might love more than the other, but overall, it's one of these movies that, that's very impactful. No matter what age you're approaching this movie, maybe in your early twenties and when you're in college or a teenager or in my age, in my, my early fifties as a 50 year old, there are many things it it will hit different people in a very universal fashion. And there's a lot of great cinema in the worst person in the world. So you're going to be treated to my interview, very quick interview, maybe five, six minute interview with Anders Danielson Lee talking about the movie. And yeah, also is my interview with actress scout Taylor Compton and director Rich Ragsdale for an interesting atmospheric horror thriller called The Long Night. I biasly love this movie because it also stars two of my favorite lead slash character actors. That is Deborah Kara Unger and Jeff Fahey. They play pivotal roles in this movie as well. And The Long Night centers on this girl. It's also a weird kind of coming of age story where Scout Taylor Compton's character, she, she has had a very scarred past regarding her family. And she wants to learn a little bit more about her past and her family by just, and this contact, he has this, clue which may lead her to down the right path she and her she and her uh, boyfriend they decide to meet this contact in really this spacious house you know out in the kind of in the middle of nowhere but it's a beautiful house when she when they arrive to the property that contact is not there and they're wondering what's going on the movie is called the long night night starts to descend on the property and wouldn't you know it there are a bunch of there is a cult they're all wearing these kind of horn masks. They look very, very scary. And right now, as as they're actually encountering the cult, they are just waiting outside and looking at the inhabitants. 
inside the domicile. So that is a premise of the long night. During the interview, I asked Rich Ragsdale about Ghost House, and that is a reference to a movie he did several years back with Scott Taylor Compton. So this is their second collaboration together. Ghost House is the the poster of it, a frame poster of Ghost House was adorning the either office or residence of Rich Ragsdale. That is the... You won't be able to see it because this is audio, okay? So you can actually check the full interview on my Diva Stream YouTube channel as well as my interview with Anders Danielson-Lee on my YouTube channel as well. I haven't uploaded it as of this recording, but I'll be uploading it pretty, pretty soon later this week. So again, cinematics, it's really interesting. It's changing different forms. Bruce Perky and and Eric Holmes, my buddies over at the Find Your Film podcast, they've taken over the first week, first two weeks of cinematics. They they, um, they preview the first two weeks of every month now. So they're joining me on that just to promote our Find Your Film podcast. Secondly, Anderson comes in middle of the month to recap, the, the to preview the final two weeks. But I'm slowly trying to bring him back into the fold. I know he's trying to, as you guys know from the cinematics feed, he has a movie to make. He's really working hard at getting his second financing for a second film and all that other stuff, being a dad. So I'm trying to get him to to see more of Anderson Cowan this month. So hopefully you'll get some more audio from Anderson, not just that episode or the bonus Patreon episode that we do as well. Okay, before we go, just a very quick plug. If you join us on our Patreon community, it's a $5, $5 catch-all tier. Whenever I do these interviews with these actors and filmmakers, I immediately upload them to the Patreon. So Patreon subscribers get a raw, uncut interview with these celebrities, actors, artists, etc. With all, all my interviews, I put them up on Patreon immediately after the interview. So if you're a member, you get early access, like maybe at least five to seven days earlier than most people get it on the YouTube or here on this podcast feed. Also, you get a bonus Patreon episode where Anderson and I spotlight a certain year. He and I pick a pick, pick a movie, pick a movie, and we both review it and we talk about it via our bonus stuff. So, also, you get uh, I too much plugging, but I'll say this: whenever I do these interviews, I actually go to the Patreon community, and you'll have a you'll have access to hopefully ask if you're interested. You can ask some of these people I'm going to interview some questions about the filmmaking process, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or just general questions. And if they're interesting and if I like them, I'll add them onto the my interviews with these actors and filmmakers as well. So that is enough of me babbling. Here's my interview with Anderson Anders Daniels. <laughs> Anders Danielson Lee from The Worst Person in the World again opens February 4th in New York and Los Angeles, opens in wider markets, in more markets, February 11th. So hopefully you guys get to check out the movie. It's a very, very wonderful film. If you love romantic dramas or dramas, heartbreaking stuff, awesome stuff, it just, again, all-encompassing film. Please see this movie. Tell me what you think. Also, great soundtrack as well. A really cool art gong, art. Garfunkel tune. I think it's a remake. I, I, I'm forgetting the name of the the, um, the track that he was doing, but it's really good. There's some really good stuff to music to litter this wonderful narrative. And also The Long Night. Also, it's in theaters February 4th and also in digital as well. I also give a strong recommendation to this movie, especially if you like atmospheric horror thrillers and yeah, Scout Taylor Compton really have not seen a lot of her work, but I thought she was a really capable lead as the 
sort of quote-unquote scream queen in this movie because there is some screaming in The Long Night. But it is not a scream queen type of movie. It's more of a very, you know, psychological terror, thriller kind of thing. And I, at the end of the interview, I told him I really want some kind of sequel to The Long Night. I was joking that it was The Longer Night, but that was not not for me to just placate or kowtow to the talent. I actually want a sequel to this because where The Long Night ends is very, very promising. Hopefully they have enough funds and a groundswell of support for this movie to continue the story of Scott Taylor Compton's character. Very interesting stuff. All right, that's enough for me. Here are the interviews. First off, it's Anders. Then uh, you'll, you're going to transition to my interview with Scout Taylor Compton and Rich Ragsdale. Thanks again for supporting me and Anderson on Cinematics. Really, really appreciate all those years of support and listenership and feedback. All right, guys. Love you all. Bye. Anders, first off, the, the beginning of the movie with the montage, Julie is exploring whether to be a doctor or a therapist, psychologist, because she wants to explore the body, but there's a finality to that, you know, but then she also wants to explore the soul. For you, and you get this question a lot, being a doctor as well as an actor and artist, do you feel, is that the reason why you have both careers? Because you get pretty much a full body experience regarding the body and the soul. Yeah, that would be my answer in a good day. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the ideal. Uh, I never had a plan. It was never my plan to to become both a doctor and an actor. And it's... Uh, it makes my calendar very messy sometimes, but it's um, it's a privilege to be able to do both because I get to use different parts of my brain. And I think I sometimes approach uh, characters and my, my work as an actor in a, in a different way than many other actors I, I feel like i have another i feel sometimes like a tourist in <laughs> in the film world in a good sense of the word uh, because i all i can always say i i have a foot in reality i know what what that is and uh sometimes feels like i can draw a lot of inspiration from people i've met for example as a doctor yeah. so it's um it's it's meaningful but 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 exhausting sometimes. Yeah, my podcast co-host he wanted to ask you this question regarding the title, "The Worst Person in the World." The main character is Julie, and he said, "With the societal sexism, if the main character was your your character, if it was a male character, that male character who's trying to come to grips with different careers and finding himself would probably be like." the best explorer in the world. Can you speak to the fact that it's such a nice, it, it's kind of hypocritical in our world where, you know, Julie's kind of, you know, criticized for being just someone who wants to explore life. Yeah. That, that's a, an interesting observation. I had never thought about the title as gendered in that sense. Um, for me, the title is more about how life puts you in difficult situation sometimes where you have to make hard choices and whatever you choose you're going to end up hurting someone either someone else or yourself and and you feel like the worst person in the world for uh, for the consequences of that choice but it's it's a it's a part of being a human being you know uh and i think that's regardless of of uh of gender um but um, the the film you're talking about is a hypothetical film. It's another film. 
Um, and, and maybe you're right. I don't want to make any conclusions about that, but, but of course it's been much easier for men to, to explore, um, uh, different professions and, and searching for an identity through that. Um, uh, if you, I mean, historically speaking, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I just don't think that the title refers to to her search for an identity through um, what to do. You, you were mentioning that the, I'm sure the past year has been so busy for you, but and you mentioned the word meaningful. How meaningful has it been for you to promote and to talk about two films, Bergman Island as well, about which centers on protagonists who are finding their inner voice and and humanity in, in such a very full-bodied experience. This must have been artistically and personally a very fruitful year on, on that end for you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun talking about both films, even though they are extremely uh, uh, different. Uh, you know, um, I'm very fascinated with uh, the the relationship between fiction and reality in in filmmaking um and you know bergman island is like mia hansen lovis eight and a half <laughs> in a way it's a, a deep down a very intellectual very, very philosophical film about uh how f- the borders be- between fiction and reality gets erased sometimes uh when you make a film uh whereas uh in the films that I, I've done with Joachim Trier, um, including The Worst Person in the World, um, it is more that I, I feel like I've grown up in, in these movies. I worked with him for 17 years, and every time we make a movie together, it feels like the movie also ends up being a, um, a documentation of where I'm at emotionally as, as a person, as an actor at, at that given moment. So I can look back on the films that we've made together and, and trace um, some of my own life in them. Um, and, uh, and that's uh, interesting and meaningful. It feels like a, it's a laboratory that I, a, a place where I can, but it feels like home to me where I can go back and reflect on my own life and continue developing myself as a, as an actor and, and a human being. Can you speak to that, that long monologue regarding um, Axel talking about the analog life, the idea of moving through objects and collecting tangible objects? It just felt to me as, as a watcher that you personally connected to that thought as well did you or was it just you're playing the character in that moment because i think what Axel had to say was very resonant to people who really understood what it was like to go to stores and collect things yeah and that's uh, i've had that experience myself and uh, you know i've deeply worshipped vinyl and dvds and and physical cultural object but but the interesting turning point in that monologue or the the interesting irony is that when he says all this when he gives that speech he suddenly discovered that it wasn't about all those things it's it was about the memories it was about the uh the impression those things uh have made on him and the realization that 
the only thing he has left is memories of his past experiences. And that is what makes him who he is. So, um, uh, and I, I can absolutely identify with, with uh, that theme, that, that melancholy of the passage of time and all that. And we also, um, we also thought it would be a nice thematic link to the other films in the trilogy. And uh, it could be nice to have Axel represent that theme because I, I think it's very much present in, in uh, Oslo, August 31st and Reprise as well. Anders, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And one day I hope Bucket List would love to visit Oslo because it's so beautiful in, in your work with Cheer. So, Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. First off, before I start, I see Ghost House as a <laughs> as a movie poster. Could you guys, before we get into The Long Night, that's one of the things I really want to do after watching The Long Night. I wanted to see Ghost House. Can you guys tell me, what will I get from watching that film? Rich. I think it's a lot of fun. It's like a very exotic location. It's got some cool moments in it. And Scout kills it. She's great in the movie. So. Scott. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think if you weekly want, if you like the long night, then you'll love Ghost House for sure. You know, you know, Scott. Just from your perspective, you you've worked with a lot of different filmmakers. What do you love about Rich the most as a collaborator? Because as a as a cinephile, I really and new to his work, I really loved how this movie was really long on atmosphere and character building. And you, you I usually don't get that from a lot of quote unquote thrillers. Yeah, you know, Rich is so like well-rounded when it comes to filmmaking. I mean, he's he's a composer, which I learned. He's an artist as well. He just like has so many talents and I feel like to make a solid, especially in this genre to to understand, which is kind of like Rob Zombie kind of has like that same sense like, you know, he comes from music and and he also is very hands-on. It's the same with Rich. Like he's so hands-on with all of the elements of the movie, not just directing. And he's also really great with um, trusting the actors and vice versa. There's just like that trust there. Um, He just gets it. You know, he gets this genre and he loves it. There's that passion there. For you, Rich, on the flip side with Scout, I mean, there's there's a lot of talented character actors out there and they help anchor a narrative, but there are a few people who can can really lead. And what do you you see in Scout just as a collaborator as well, as a lead, as someone who can actually really carry a narrative? Well, I mean, I think Scout is just one of the most naturally talented actors I've ever met. I mean, she really just, uh, she can just turn it on like a light switch or something. I mean, she's she's got a very unique ability. And so one of the things I like about Scout is she makes your job easy, you know, because I can trust her to, to make the right decisions. And if if I do need to sort of adjust something, I mean, she just, you know, it's it's not... It's, there, there's not a lot of like hemming and hawing and sort of, you know, methody kind of brooding around the set. It's, it's, she's uh, just solid and super professional and, and I love it. Scott, how come you're not a brooder? Are you, are you not a natural brooder? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not, none over here. <laughs> she's Look, the least broody actor you'll ever meet. <laughs> okay. So you guys had me at hello as soon as I saw the names. Deborah, Kara Unger, and Jeff Fahey. Can you just oh, talk yeah. about having them as part of the ensemble? Because this is just kind of a treat to people who are really fans of cinema, I think. Yeah, yeah you know, I've, I've loved Jeff. Jeff is, 
he's an amazing actor to work with. He's like, he comes in, he's well-prepared. He, he kind of, it's kind of like a play for him. You know, he likes to like work the room a bit and you just kind of follow in his footsteps with whatever he's, he's doing, you know, he's just like one of those actors that knows, knows what he's doing, comes on, he executes and he's out, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Yeah, we had an eight what what you would call like an eight page day one day with 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 Jeff because we only had him for a couple of days and uh, which is a ton of stuff to shoot and you're like really worried I was really worried we weren't going to make our days and Jeff has this like intensity and this energy where he just pulls the production along and like really just I mean we actually ended early it was just uh, it was it was a, a a a fun thing to watch and to be part of and Deborah Cara Unger. You know, uh, I'm a big David Cronenberg fan, and I remember her from Crash. And, I, you know, so when they presented her as an option, I was just like, do you think she'll do it? Because <laughs> it's like I had been such a huge fan of that movie. And also, like, uh, she's in David Fincher's The Game. So she's worked with, like, the great directors, you know, Fincher and Cronenberg and stuff. So I was a, a little intimidated but also kind of excited because, like I said, I mean, Crash is one of my favorite Cronenberg movies. and and she's just great in it. Scott, was this character an ap- appealing for you? Because in a sense, on a superficial sense, it is a thriller horror type movie. But then on a deeper sense, it's also about a person. We're not going to give too much spoilers away, but a person who's trying to gradually come into her own regarding independence, realizing who she is. Did you find that kind of layers as far as, you know, your journey with Rich um, in with, with respect to this project? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what attracted me to it. I mean, she wasn't, we see women in this genre, you know, they're, they're very like um, victim-y. And I say this a lot and I've, I have played these women before, um, you know, help me, help me, help me, help me. And she didn't have that, you know, she had like the strength behind her and, you know, I, I could relate with Grace, especially with like the family matter of like discovering, like trying to figure out who you are, where you belong, like, you know, to make sense of who you are. And I, I, that that was something that I was interested in, and there was just this this underlining with her that just kind of developed as the movie went along. I mean, you really she was kind of like this lost being, and you discovered who she was while she was discovering it herself. And I just thought that was really amazing. And she became like this completely different woman by the end of it. And it's kind of like it happened with the audience. Rich, I'm just basing this not on your body, but just on this movie. And I was thinking, this filmmaker, and I looked at your Instagram feed, and you're an artist, and you love comics and graphic novels and everything. But growing up, did you realize that horror is more than just gore and cheap scares? Meaning, when you were growing up, did a movie like The Wicker Man or the films of Peter Weir just soak into you, and that helped you become the person you are today? I don't know. A hundred percent. I mean... Well, when I was very young, I grew up in in the South and we didn't have access to a lot of art house kind of stuff, but I would read about it in books. And, uh, and so when I finally, you know, when I I was in high school, I got a job at a video store and I just, I just ate all that stuff up, you know? Um, And in particular, like uh, I've always mentioned this, I mean, the the movie that really got me into all of those kind of more surrealist kind of films were, was like a racer head that was, as a formative experience in my life. So, yeah, but yes. And, and, you know, I've always liked kind of like what you would, what people used to consider sort of like despise genres, you know, like as a kid, I loved 
animation. I love comic books and, and things. And when I was young, nobody took that stuff serious. Now it's part of the culture, you know, and horror films are the same thing. It's like people have come around now, I think, to realize that, that there's much more going on in horror films than, you know, girls being chased by guys with knives. You know, David Skull is a, a film theorist and he has written about horror films extensively. And he sort of claims that to really understand a culture, you have to know what it fears. And horror movies are these kind of reflections of, of what people are terrified of at that moment or their sort of cultural anxieties. Now, Scott, I, I'm now immediately in your camp the last couple of months because you've started up on the audio space regarding a podcast. Can you tell our listeners your journey into the audio world? And yeah, I'm biasly pulling for, for you guys on that. And I'm, I'm definitely subbing as, as soon as this interview is finished. Tell our listeners about your podcast. Oh, yes. So, so Danielle Harris, who everybody knows in this genre, um, we're very close. We've, we've gotten very, very close in this, in this genre. I mean, we worked together in 07, 09, and we became, um, almost like sisters. And Danielle and I have quite the personalities together when we're together. And so we, we decided that we wanted to start this podcast, which is Talk Scary to Me. And I'm, I'm very attracted to like Dr. Um, Dr. Drew love line and, and kind of stuff like that. But we also like the horror genre as well. So we're like, what if we mesh the two? Um, so it's, you know, it's a podcast about like sex and love and, and we're reaching out to the viewers, the fan base and asking those intense questions regarding that stuff. But then we also just kind of learned as the podcast was going on that Danielle and I are very attracted to true crime. So we were like, well, what if we add that element with the horror realm of it? And so, you you know, you get these two sexy women talking about sex and love and giving advice. And then you also have like that, you know, what we are all attracted to is like the true crime and like the, the goriness of it all. So it's an interesting podcast and we're having such a ball doing it. My final question to you, by the way, I'm just going to name drop my my co-host for Cinematics. His, his name is Anderson Cowan, and he was the primary engineer and producer. I'm mean, one of the producers, and but the primary engineer of Loveline, just FYI on that. But fun, oh, awesome. Yeah. But final question, just a just requisite question. Just wondering if you guys can name each of you name one of your favorite movies and what is it about what is it about this specific film? You know, not including a razor head, but what is it about this film that speaks to you today? <laughs> so, um, I think uh, oh god, a movie. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, honestly, the movie that comes to mind is The Exorcist. I mean, I mean, I remember seeing that when I was very, very little. And it was the first time that I'd ever seen, like, special effects makeup terrify me. I mean, it was just, like, super realistic and and also what you weren't seeing and, and the, um, the, the goriness of, like, the the way it looked. And, and also it was stylized very beautifully and... I don't know. There were so many elements of that movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, boy, it's, it's, it's hard to pick like a favorite movie, especially outside of a racer. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, uh, I saw the original night of the living dead, the black and white George Romero film. And, you know, I liked horror movies and I would watch them on TV and that movie had, an ending that just blew my mind. I'd never seen an ending like that. That was so bleak and so nihilistic and so, but also so politically charged. And it just like, it really messed me up, but in a good way. I mean, I, I was like, wow, movies can, can do something else. So. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you guys so much for your time. I'm going to end with a horrible dad joke, and I apologize for this, but I actually really want this to happen. Okay. Will there be the longer night, Rich, and will you hire these <laughs> script writers to pen another screenplay? Because I want the night to continue. Just- oh, man. <laughs> I would do it in a heartbeat. Rob Shep wrote our script for us, and he did a great job, and I'm sure he would love to to do a sequel. So, Yeah, what is Grace Enters the World. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Love the movie, by the way. So. All right, thank awesome. you so much. Thank right. you, Greg. I appreciate right. it. <laughs> Take care.